MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. Today, Riley Williams has been arrested and is being investigated for potentially stealing Nancy Pelosi's laptop to sell to Russia. We may have narrowed down the bottleneck in the National Guard response to the insurrection or lack thereof of National Guard response. Trump weighs over 100 pardons on his final day in office. Biden's incoming chief of staff doesn't rule out stopping intelligence briefings for Trump. And ABC gets a copy of the original Trump letter firing Comey that was never supposed to see the light of day. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. So this is a an interesting Newsday today. I've I, we stories run the gamut from Comey's firing, new stuff coming out about Comey's firing, to a 22 year old girl seen running out in Nancy Pelosi's office with what looked like a laptop in her bag. And <laughs> I just laugh because I'm trying to remember what I was doing at 22, and it was not breaking into a Capitol. <laughs> I know somebody was like, you know, what really as a 22 year old, what would possess you? I'm like, I made some dumb decisions at 22 but they mostly had to do with like tattoos <laughs> like a butterfly on your lower back that's exactly what the fuck it is as a matter of fact you <laughs> called it you called it it's actually a fairy but yeah a, a winged creature on it's my a lower winged back creature on your lower back mm-hmm. ag you had a tramp stamp which has since been covered up by a peacock which takes up the entire real estate of my back now oh my god my sister did the same thing she had a fairy blowing dust off of a moon and now she covered it up but she has the most wicked full back tattoo ever that's hilarious <laughs> Dude, i gotta meet your sister we're twinsies <laughs> because that's what i did oh uh, she's she's got beautiful ink yeah she's got she's got I don't have any tattoos. Isn't that crazy? And it's not because I'm Jewish and I think I'm going to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. It's literally because every time I've thought about going and get, got, getting a tattoo, I was like, what do I want to look at for the rest of my life? And nothing has stuck. And so I've just never done it. Well, that's why it's on my back. Yeah, there you go. No one else has to see it except whoever you're sleeping with. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, you know, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, like, I'll forget it's there. And they'll go, oh, what an amazing tattoo. I'm like, that's Mr. Featherpants. I forgot about him. Say hi for me. There you go. Um, so, yeah, the, the new tattoo, the new ink is beautiful. But, yeah, that old stupid fairy. It was so funny, too, because when I told my friend Aaron about it, I was like, oh, I got this stupid tattoo of fairy on my back when I was a kid. She's like, honey, we all have stupid fairy tattoos, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. So. <sighs> Uh, so later in the show, back to the news, uh, we're going to be talking to Steve Vladek about impeachment and pardons and Trump allies selling access to pardons and whether or not that's legal. Um, and right now we're hearing about possible insider threats from within the National Guard, though Trump sucker acting Secretary of Defense Chris Miller is saying they have no specific intelligence that there are inside threats, but they are vetting the National Guard members. And this just in, we've learned that in addition to the 25,000 National Guard troops, two, uh, 2,750 active duty troops are being sent to the Capitol, active duty military um, these are like special teams. This is like the ordnance disposal guys and the medics and stuff like that. So they're going to be at the Capitol, 2,750 of them. And we have to remember the reason that D.C. looks like a war zone right now is because Donald Trump 
made up and perpetuated a lie that the election was stolen and the entire GOP party backed that lie. That is the only reason this is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they wanted to disenfranchise millions of black voters. And now they're doing Martin Luther King quotes today, of course. Oh, I almost, oh, that put me over. Oh, especially Lindsey Lindsey Graham, bless her heart, just doing Martin Luther King quotes. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure at Amy Coney Barrett's uh, hearing, confirmation hearing, you actually said the good old days of segregation. Shut up. Or racist birther Melania tweeting about MLK. Or, of course, Kaylee McEnany. I can't even start. Who is just out there peddling the lies um, about... It just trying to disenfranchise black voters and thereby inciting violence from white supremacists. Like, just stop. Just shut up. The nerve. The nerve. A- and th- we were warned, too. There were people on Twitter being like, hey, tomorrow, a bunch of people who shouldn't be fucking putting MLK in their mouths are going to have MLK in their mouths. Just warning you, you're going to be pissed about it. <laughs> like, it's going to happen. And, you know, it's just one of those things, like many things with this administration, that you can't. You, you can try to prepare for it. But when the reality happens, it's. It's absolutely sickening. Like tomorrow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Pardon. Uh, We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So much news, AG. So much news. I know. And you mean tomorrow, Tuesday, because of the pardons list, not tomorrow, Wednesday, when we don't have to worry about any of this anymore. Correct. When you're hearing this, we will know. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. It depends on how early you listen. But uh, uh, we do have uh, a pretty good show ahead here. So you and I will do the good news at the end. Thank goodness. And I went ahead and peeked at the pictures, and they're amazing. So I might have too, I, especially the first one. Okay, we we I have a big show. The, okay. we have a let, let's move on. We have a big show before we get to this. So stop teasing the yes. listeners and let's do this. Yes, let's do the news. I'm sorry about the tattoo diatribe before the news. <laughs> P- people get mad. They're like, "Will you just do the news first, and I can listen to the news part?" And then, st- okay. Well, anyway, here we go. Here's the news part. Here's the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, everybody. Uh, Lead story today. In a new criminal court case against a woman alleged to have entered the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, the FBI noted that a tipster raised the possibility of a laptop being stolen from House Speaker Pelosi's office to potentially sell to Russia. Now, there's no indication in the court record that the laptop was actually taken from Pelosi's office, though Pelosi's deputy chief of staff, Drew Hamill, tweeted two days after the attack that there was a laptop stolen that was used for presentations and that was in a conference room. The FBI said that'd be great if Russia just got a bunch of dumb PowerPoints about house rules or something. (laughs) Um, The FBI says um, in the court record, quote, the matter remains under investigation. It's not known if the two incidents are connected at all, uh, or even if the tipster's information about the stolen laptop is accurate, but it's one of the most bizarre details to emerge from the avalanche of court filings against people accused of storming the Capitol. In this case, the person who said they are the former romantic partner of Riley June Williams of Pennsylvania identified Riley, Riley June, to the FBI in video inside the Capitol building, uh, and she was directing people upstairs to Pelosi's office. That's according to an affidavit filed uh, Sunday uh, supporting Williams's arrest. The tipster also claimed to have spoken to friends of Riley who showed this tipster guy or girl, I don't know, a person, a video of Williams taking a laptop computer hard drive from Speaker Pelosi's office. That's according to the affidavit from the tipster. The tipster, quote, stated Williams intended to send the computer device to a friend in Russia 
who then planned to sell the device to the SVR. That's Russia's Foreign Intelligence Service. Uh, The person told the FBI, quote, the transfer of the computer device to Russia fell through for unknown reasons, and but Williams still has a computer device, or she destroyed it. <laughs> That's from the tipster. Oh, my goodness. So this is the uh, the 22-year-old who may or may not have a fairy on her lower back. I don't know. I'm going to go with May and has does not have the money to cover it up yet. Uh, <laughs> or she just got it. She's 22. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> it was her, Yeah. Initiation. It was her initiation. Uh, oh, <laughs> so, AG Joe Biden. I actually really like the story. Joe Biden's incoming White House Chief of Staff on Sunday did not rule out blocking uh, President Donald Trump, soon to be former, from receiving intelligence briefings once he is a private citizen. Now, asked by CNN's Jake Tapper on State of the Union whether the Biden administration will follow recommendations from a former intelligence official to limit Trump's access to classified information. Ron Klain said, well, we'll certainly look for a recommendation from the intelligence professionals in the Biden-Harris administration once they're in place and act on that recommendation. So obviously, we don't have those intelligence professionals in place yet. I hope the Senate moves to confirm them quickly, and then we'll look at what they recommend in terms of intelligence sharing going forward, he continued. So former uh, Trump principal deputy director of national intelligence, Sue Gordon, wrote in an op-ed published in the Washington Post on Friday that Trump, quote, might be unusually vulnerable (laughs) to bad actors (laughs) with ill intent once he is no longer president. Not even good actors, AG, just shitty actors that Trump would definitely fall for. Let me see your football. Like Scott Baio. Uh, Yeah, like Scott Baio and Kid Rock. He leaves... Unlike his predecessors, who embraced the muted responsibilities of being a, quote, former, with a stated agenda to stay engaged in politics and policy, she wrote. No departing president in modern era has hinted at or planned on becoming a political actor immediately after leaving office. Now, I read up on this. I listened to it. This is this is not a, a law. This is a... A nicety, a nicety that they do. And the reason it's done, and you know this, and I'm sure some of the listeners do, is that if the incoming president might want to look to the outgoing president for any sort of advice on any sort of national or international problems, how to deal with foreign leaders, that sort of thing, what in God's name could possibly come up, A.G., that Joe Biden would think, (laughs) you know what, I've got one lifeline I'm going to call Donald Trump and see what he would do in this situation. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything that he would need him for. He like not even like how to use an umbrella yeah. or how to be in the rain. Like there's n- how to use a ramp or how to get toilet paper off your shoe. Like it goes on. The list goes on and yeah, on. Drink water. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. And I think I, <laughs> I, I find it interesting, Sue Gordon, saying, oh, he's very vulnerable to bad actors with ill intent. Yeah, we've been saying, I tweeted out a long time ago, dude, he's going to sell national security secrets to pay his debt. Absolutely. We've been concerned over his debt. You and I have talked to Mary Trump about this, over half a billion that comes due in the next couple of years. And and how is he going to make money? He, the banks, his banks, his friend, friendly banks have cut him off, Deutsche Bank and Signature Bank. And Rosemary Vrablick doesn't work there anymore. He doesn't have any friends with money. He can't money launder as easily because of that National Defense Authorization Act he tried to veto. I so, know. like, running for pardons. office. Excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs> pardons. <laughs> yeah, selling pardons and running for office uh, are really, and, and selling national security secrets are the only way he can make money. Yeah. Um, 
and we'll talk a little bit more about those pardons and uh, and <laughs> running for office in a minute because that has to do with impeachment, right? We're trying to impeach him so we can convict him so that we can uh, prevent him from running from office again. And that might have an impact on who he pardons and who he doesn't pardon. And you're going to talk about that in a minute. But in the news today, also a blast from the past. ABC got a hold of that OG letter from Trump where he the one he wrote to fire Comey. Actually, he didn't write it. Stephen Miller wrote it. But if you all remember, Mueller had that letter, used it as evidence to show obstruction of justice in firing Comey. But the public hasn't seen it or heard about it until, well, we knew about it, but we haven't seen it until now or what's in it. Uh, all we knew for was what was in the Mueller report, which he basically wanted to tie Comey to Russia, which was a really bad look for him. And Rosenstein and McGahn were like, don't fucking do that, you stupid dumbass. And he's like, fine, you write me a letter, Rosenstein. What would you say? And then they used that letter and it pissed off Rosenstein and Rosenstein wouldn't do a press conference. You you, y'all know that old chestnut. Um, <laughs> you know the words, sing along. So anyway, uh, a source connected to Mul- the Mueller probe has relayed the contents of the letter to ABC News, which, especially in light of recent events, offer a telling look at how Trump viewed the then leader of the nation's top law enforcement agency. He says about Comey in the letter, your conduct has grown unpredictable and erratic, including rambling and self-indulgent public performances that have baffled experts, citizens and law enforcement professionals alike, making it impossible for you to effectively lead this agency. Sounds like he's talking about himself. himself. What a projection. Oh, my goodness. In the letter to Comey, Trump emphasized Comey's repeated assurances that the president was not a focus of the FBI investigation. That changed, though, when Trump fired Comey, which prompted Mueller's appointment, launching a new line of inquiry into whether Trump was trying to obstruct the federal investigation into him. Still, in the letter, Trump told Comey that his actions and decisions reflect a total lack of judgment and have left our country deeply divided and rightfully angry. And I agree with him here, but not for the right reasons. Not for, well, his his reasons. He's mad at Comey because Comey was investigating him and wouldn't commit to loyalty and wouldn't say he wasn't under investigation. And I'm mad at Comey. <laughs> we were mad at him because his actions and decisions did show a lack of judgment and left our country deeply divided because he came out 11 days before an election and shit all over Hillary Clinton. Correct. So... Uh, He also said America needs an FBI director who inspires confidence across all layers of government and who the public believes to be fair, impartial and beyond reproach. Uh, You have lost the confidence of the skilled professionals in your command, which is not true. Uh, And Sarah Huckabee Sanders said that multiple times in press conferences and Mueller caught her lying and she admitted to it in the Mueller report. For those of you who read it, that old chestnut. Uh, You have lost the confidence of the skilled professionals in your command, the congressional lawmakers with whom you work, and the general public whom you serve, the president added. Without offering specifics, the New York Times first reported the letter's existence in September 2017, saying the letter was turned over to Mueller's team as being described as an unvarnished view of Trump's thinking. (laughs) The letter had been put together by the president's senior aide, Stephen Miller, based on, quote, arguments and specific language dictated by Trump. (laughs) Yeah, so so Trump did the interpretive dance. Stephen Miller wrote it down. And uh, that's some interpretation. Because, I mean, the, the use of whom is actually correct. So we know those weren't Trump's words. No, 100%. And, and we know, I think they were at Camp David when, when they did this. Mueller noted that the letter critiqued Comey's judgment and conduct, including his May 3rd testimony before the Senate Judiciary, his handling of the Clinton email investigation, and his failure to hold leakers accountable. But Mueller offered little more about how Trump initially explained his decision to fire Comey. Uh, when the White House Counsel's office saw, how was I able to put it together then, ABC News? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe 
you just didn't read enough reports. But when the White House Counsel's Office saw Trump's four-page letter, they said this should not see the light of day and that it would be better to offer no other rationales for the firing than what then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions and then-Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein had articulated. So that's interesting. We finally got that letter. It's been four years it's been the longest four years. Oh, my God, in five, but four years of this administration. Like, for a second, I was like, who's Jeff Sessions? Like, it has been so long that these names, like Rex Tillerson, who the fuck remembers who Rex Tillerson is? <laughs> I yeah, mean, Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions. Wasn't he a senator? Yeah, now he's just making cookies in a tree somewhere. All right. Uh, this next one is from Reuters. So Trump, at this point, is opting not to issue a pardon for himself as he prepares an extensive, expansive list of more than 100 pardons and commutations for release on Tuesday. This is a source familiar with the effort. Now, White House advisors have said Trump has privately debated with advisors whether to take the extraordinary step of issuing a pardon for himself but some administration officials, <clears throat> all of them, have cautioned Trump against a self-pardon because it would make him look guilty. No shit. Now, many scholars have said a self-pardon would be unconstitutional because it violates the basic principle that nobody should be the judge in his or her own case. However, others have argued that a self-pardon is unconstitutional because the pardon power is very broadly worded in the Constitution. I'm sorry, that it is constitutional. Because that language is broadly worded. Historical texts made clear that the nation's 18th century founders discussed self-pardons, but opted not to include an explicit limitation on that power. So the source, speaking on condition of anonymity, said so far, Trump does not plan to pardon himself and also does not plan to issue preemptive pardons for members of his family. Now, we've talked about this before. Like you said, I think the reason for the kids is because then they could actually testify against him in court, which if they had to save themselves, I think every one of them would be like, I don't know the guy. He made me coffee once. Um, so <laughs> I think that's what the kids would do. And obviously, pardoning himself, like I said this yesterday, though, I think that it was just a really nice byproduct of Mitch McConnell being a horrible human being that Trump is really starting to tiptoe around what he does before this uh, Senate hearing on his impeachment. Yeah, I think maybe somebody told him if you pardon yourself and you pardon your kids and you pardon any insurrectionists, we will fucking convict you and we will then vote that you can never run for office again. Yep. And and what I think is, like I said, Trump only has a couple of sources of money left and running for office is one of them. His super PACs and his, his raising money on the on the big lie about the election being stolen. And mm -hmm. if he is impeached, uh, if he pardons his himself and his family and his, the insurrectionists, especially the insurrectionists, uh, first of all, the country would be pissed. But also the Republicans in the Senate could vote to convict him and then have that subsequent vote to prevent him from running off for office again. And that is that shuts off. First of all, it doesn't just shut off a source of money for him, especially with these giant bills coming due and the next these debts coming due. But it shuts off his rallies and his speeches and, and any the, the only thing that got him any adulation in his dumb fuck face life you know, was these these supporters going to these rallies. And 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 so I, I I'm going to ask Mary about this, like, what would be more important to him lighting shit on fire and pardoning everybody or being able to run for office again? You know, it's just it's something interesting. And I'll consider it a win if the impending impeachments keep him from pardoning himself. 
or especially the insurrectionists, um, his last hope, like I said, is to be able to run again. And and pardoning these pardons could really f- fuck that up. So, yeah, fingers crossed. But we'll be right back with news from under the radar. I'm going to talk about who I think is the party responsible for sabotaging the National Guard response or lack thereof to the insurrection. And then later I'm going to be talking to Steve Vladek about what you and I were just talking about. Impeachments, whether you can self-impeach, whether you can pardon during an impeachment, whether you can pardon your impeachment co-conspirators, what you know, all of that stuff we're going to talk with Steve Vladek about and whether or not you can impeach somebody after they've already left office. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp, providing professional counseling to help you navigate life's challenges. We all face difficulties and stresses, but the important thing to remember is you don't have to face them alone. If you're struggling with anything that's preventing you from living your happiest life, I recommend BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It is licensed professional therapy done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You know I've had my own struggles with PTS and, and generalized anxiety disorder, panic attacks, and I know how important it is to seek help rather than to try to take everything on alone. And BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide, and they have a broad range of experts in their network that might not be locally available in your area, but that's what's so great about BetterHelp. You can log on to your account anytime from anywhere and send messages to your counselor, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, too, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available. So visit their website and read their testimonials like this one from BetterHelp user TA who says, Dr. Healy is compassionate and present as a counselor. She listens without judgment and creates a safe space for sharing. I feel heard and understood by her. So visit betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for some news from under the radar. And this is something I've been following since the day after the attack on the Capitol. Where was the bottleneck? Who sabotaged the National Guard response. And I think we may have found out where the buck stopped with regards to this delayed response for the National Guard on January 6th. This is while hundreds and hundreds of officers and the Congress and the vice president were under attack. Uh, Well, Walter E. Piott, P-I-A-T-T, born in 1958. He's a U.S. Army Lieutenant General. He currently serves as the Director of Army Staff. And on January 6th, during the storming of the Capitol, and an hour and a half after the West Side defensive perimeter had been breached, according to Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, Piot critically delayed or ignored Sund's request for National Guard support. We watched this on 60 Minutes. Um, and apparently Piot said, I don't like the visual of the National Guard standing a police line with the Capitol in the background. And he said that despite this being a stark contrast to the protests uh, of the summer, right? Oh, now you don't like the National Guard. Remember the lines and lines of, of militarized uh, officers standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial during the Black Lives Matter protest? Yeah. Fine with that visual. Uh, but Piot was called and asked for assistance during the attack on the Capitol. And Piot has recently come under criticism for slow rolling a vital life-saving deployment of National Guard forces uh, for several hours. Now, Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, as we said before, Uh, is the one who identified Piat's role during his call to the Army staff during the early afternoon. 
Uh, Sund had been requesting emergency backup for Capitol Police at the suggestion of then-House Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving and then-Senate Sergeant-at-Arms Michael Stenger. And that was after it became clear that the 1,300-member police force on duty was overwhelmed by 8,000 protesters arriving from a rally at the Ellipse, where Trump and Giuliani and Don Jr. incited the riot. The omission in planning for a rapid reaction force has since been redressed by a 30-day deployment of 6,200 National Guardsmen from multiple states to protect the inauguration. That number is now at 25,000. And and the inauguration has been designated a National Special Security Event, or NSSE, for which there is a true unified command structure at federal, state, and local levels to avoid this kind of delay again. The United States Secret Service is the lead agency for the inauguration, as it was in 2017. And the planning for the NSSE is secret, and that's because of a 1998 presidential directive. But interested congressional clients can gain access to the planning by contacting the U.S. Secret Service's Office of Legislative Affairs. Now, the Washington Post reported early on that Piat denied the request, saying he didn't have the authority to approve it. Capitol Police Chief Sund said of the crowds that day they were extremely dangerous. They were extremely uh, prepared He said, I have had a hard time calling this a demonstration. And Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy, who is the one that eventually got a hold of uh, Governor uh, Hogan in Maryland to get there to get National Guard out uh, when they were trying to call uh, over and over to several different people. But finally, the secretary of the Army, Ryan McCarthy, called them and said, hey, you got your can we get some troops? And he said, yeah, that was like a couple hours after he had received phone calls from inside the bunkers. Now, um, McCarthy said that the specific intelligence before January 6th uh, was all over the map at the debriefing um, that he gave. And he admitted that it's possible um, that he couldn't imagine what was what was about to happen. And since the attack, the use of encrypted apps has spiked. Some perpetrators have been attempting to cover their tracks, obviously. And dozens of individuals on the FBI terrorist watch list were at the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And as we know, the rehearsal for the Biden inaugural was delayed from Sunday uh, to Monday to better assess uh, the intelligence. Now, although local leadership is discouraging travel to D.C., at least a dozen states are preparing for terrorist incidents at their capitals. Now, it was kind of quiet yesterday and today, thankfully, but there were demonstrations that happened. And all of this information is coming straight out of Wikipedia and public reporting that we've seen over the past couple of days. And interestingly, a few days ago, uh, our friend, friend of the podcast, the band Wheatus, tweeted at Piat regarding the Washington Post reporting and said, hey, uh, quote, Lieutenant General Piat, did you refuse to send troops when the Capitol Police requested it because you didn't like the visual? And Piat responded to Wheatus saying, no, it wasn't in my power to do that for that moment. Now, I then tweeted, whose power was it, if not yours? And I never got an answer. And then Wheatus responded, thank you, sir. Did you decline to pass on the request to your superior? And then that prompted Piat to block Wheatus. Tired of his questions, I guess. But we have to find out if this was intentional and coordinated with the White House, as many members of Congress and our intelligence allies have alleged, or whether this is just pure incompetence. But the truth needs to come out, and I think Piat is a good place to start.
So <laughs> I still firmly believe that there was a coordinated effort to delay the National Guard response. I also think there was a coordinated effort between Senators Hawley and Cruz to object in writing as required for debate to happen to the election, the electoral vote results, as they did that day. Ted Cruz objected to Arizona and Josh Hawley um, objected to Pennsylvania. And that that when they when there is a, a, a sign on, it requires a two hour debate. And I of course, I don't have proof of this, but this is just my beans. I think they were there. I think they did that to elongate the process, to give the insurrectionists more time. I think this was a coordinated effort. And I think, I think we will find out as the days and weeks go by. And, and as Merrick Garland said, it could take months and months. So... We'll be covering that in this show, obviously. We'll be covering that on the new podcast that drops January 20th called Clean Up on Aisle 45. It's with me and Andrew Torres. I hope you join us. But we have to figure out. We have to figure this out. Whether we, have, whether we set up a 9-11 style commission or do hearings like they did for Benghazi, we have to find out where the failure was, if not to prosecute criminals, but to find out how to have this not happen again. I mean, it seems very straightforward and obvious to me, but Piat, we should check with him. We should start there. Uh, we'll be right back with Steve Vladek. We're going to discuss impeachment and pardons on this final full day of Trump's presidency. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. As pet parents, working from home has given us more time to spend with our four-legged family members. My dog is happy about it. Cats, eh. But now we are more aware of their daily needs and their health issues and their well-being and their smells. So if you've noticed that your pet is itchy or smells less than pleasant, you have to check out Scout's Honor. It's Scout's with a K. Scout's Honor is my go-to pet brand for grooming products. It helps with itch relief, skin uh, deliciousness, coat shininess, odor control, healthier skin and coat. I absolutely love this stuff. I recently got the Grooming Essentials Kit with probiotic shampoo, conditioner, and deodorizer. And Olive has never looked or smelled better. Scout's Honor has probiotic grooming products, and they are scientifically proven. Um, and they have a, it's a natural solution for treating your pet's skin problems. It works like a charm. And when applied to the skin, probiotics help support healthy bacteria and fight against bad bacteria that cause irritation. That's what causes the, the itch and the smell. And you can choose from their amazing fragrances. My personal favorite is sandalwood vanilla. Um, which they call Dog of the Woods, which I love. And with every purchase, Scout's Honor provides one day's worth of meals for a rescue animal in need. And you know that I personally love supporting um, businesses that are philanthropic. And with Scout's Honor, your pet will never look, feel, or smell better. So check out Scout's Honor's award-winning products today. Available online or wherever pet supplies are sold. To get 20% off your first order, go to scoutshonor.com slash dailybeans. Remember, that's scouts with a K at scoutshonor.com slash dailybeans for 20% off your order. Scout's Honor, natural and preventative grooming solutions for pets. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today uh, to talk impeachment and a couple other things is National Security Law Podcast host and law professor Steve Vladek. Steve, welcome back. Hello. Hello. Uh, so we're beginning to see the inklings of a defense for Trump. I don't know who his lawyers are going to be, but <laughs> in his upcoming impeachment trial. And something that's being repeated is that you cannot impeach 
a past president. Can you help us understand why that's not true? Well, I mean, it's not true, I think, mostly because we've we haven't done it with the past president before. We've done it with prior officers. So the I think we should start by saying this isn't actually a serious argument. I think it's mostly being used um as Andrew Lang put it, the way a drunk uses a lamppost for support, not illumination. <laughs> it's really just it's it's Republicans looking for an excuse to acquit Trump without having to weigh in on whether his conduct was actually subject to reproach, which of course it was. But so the argument is that insofar as the Constitution talks about removing someone from office, once you're out of office, that must mean, that must, um, that all of a sudden the power to continue with the proceeding goes away. Um, and I think there, there are two critical independent problems with this argument. The first is, wholly apart from whether the House could impeach a former officer, let's keep in mind, Trump was impeached the second time, while he was president, right? These proceedings started while he was president. Um, and so this is not the same as, hey, can we impeach George Washington now? <laughs> um, which, by the way, is apparently one of Lindsey Graham's talk talking points. Um, but second, and in any event, the, the folks who are actually trying to defend this argument publicly, like Jonathan Turley, who used to have the opposite position, um, their, their, their argument is that since the primary purpose of impeachment is removal, once the officer is no longer serving, there's no point to the proceeding. And that just reads right out of the Constitution, the Senate's, to my mind, equally significant power to disqualify the person from ever holding federal office again, um, which, of course, is a big issue for Trump, right? I mean, the, if the Senate disqualifies him from running for president again, that could really affect 2024. Um, and Allison, if, if, if you had a scenario where once the person's out of office, the impeachment power collapses, then every single person who's ever impeached will just resign mm. um, right before the Senate votes so that they can't be convicted and therefore can't be disqualified. And that's never been how it's understood. Um, the first impeachment trial ever was against a former senator. Um, there was an a important episode after the Civil War, the impeachment of Secretary um, Belknap, um, who resigned literally the morning the House was supposed to um, impeach him. And it's just, uh, you know, this argument is really just one of convenience. And folks should understand that it's not a serious argument. It's just being used for cover. Mm. So the group that's mad about not hearing election cases on the merits uh, is suddenly doesn't want to vote on the, the merits. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's opportunism passing as constitutional argument where, you know, someone like Tom Cotton doesn't actually care if it's the right argument. He just cares if it's like sufficiently plausible that he can make it and sound like he's acting in good faith. And, mm. you know, it's, it's a little frustrating from my perspective um, because it's like, you know, no one actually cares what the right answer is. All we're looking for is what is sufficiently plausible as to justify voting to acquit um, when President Trump's conduct is so clearly, you know, worthy of some kind of formal censure. Mm. And we should clarify that that vote to disqualify him from running for office again isn't automatic with a removal and 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 conviction. It's a separate vote. That's right. And you know, the there have been eight successful impeachments in American history where the Senate voted to acquit, and only three of the eight um, were actually subsequently disqualified, including most recently Judge Porteous um, in 2010. So it's not automatic. And I think, Allison, that, that just drives home that mm. it's always been understood that disqualification is part of the process and is an important part of the process, but is not incidental, right? That it's actually a separate inquiry um, and a separate reason why the fact that someone's no longer in office is not reason enough to say you can't continue. Yeah, and you can't hold that disqualification vote unless you convict 
and remove. Unless you convict, right? Exactly. And I mean, just to take this one step further, you know, the logic by the by the so-called logic of this argument, you know, once the conviction vote happens, you're out of office. Yeah. Um, and so even if someone was in office, um, once they're convicted, they no longer are. And then the Senate's voting to disqualify someone who, guess what, is a former officer at that point. Mm. But yeah, I misspoke. You don't have to convict and remove because you can convict him after he's already out of office. So the removal is a foregone conclusion because he's not in office anymore, but then you convict and then you can vote to disqualify. And, and the key is, I mean, you still need the conviction because the Constitution does require a two thirds vote for conviction. And that's an important check, right? I mean, that that that's what prevents, you know, whoever's in charge next time from just using their narrow majorities in both the House and the Senate to, you know, to, to run through a, an impeachment of Hillary Clinton, say, right? I mean, it's it's all about circumstances where the conduct of the officer is sufficiently egregious that a supermajority of the Senate is willing to say so. Um, and I think we all need to accept this is such a case. And the reason why we're hearing a lot about this argument that you can't continue once he's out of office is because the Republicans know that there is no substantive defense of what the president did. Mm, yeah. And I have another uh, question for you. There's some rumors out there. This is a quick question about pardons. The language in the Constitution says pardons can't be issued in cases of impeachment. Most but most that I've spoken to believe the that that means the president can't overturn an impeachment uh, or, you know, uh, give clemency to someone for the crimes they committed to be impeached, uh, the high crimes and misdemeanors required to be impeached. Uh, but some are saying, not many, but some are saying it means that he can't pardon insurrectionists, for example, because they're co-conspirators in the impeachment case against the president, or that when he's being impeached, it puts a hold on his ability to pardon people. And I just don't see that in that language, especially considering what the Federalist Papers say. Yeah, no, I don't see it either. I mean, I think I, I understand why folks want to read that into the Constitution, but I think it's pretty clear in context from, you know, Madison's notes, from the Federalists, from every single contemporaneous source that the acceptance cases of impeachment means what you said. It means the president can, can pardon federal offenses other than um, Congress's determination that someone committed an impeachable offense. Because were it otherwise, then the pardon power could defeat the impeachment power. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if we if we if we assume that the Constitution is meant to actually be read holistically, I think that's the only satisfying reading of the pardon clause. Right. And pardoning, you're, you're pardoning federal crimes, not high crimes and misdemeanors. And I think because because impeachment is a political process and not a criminal process, it also sort of lends to that conclusion. And, and it drives home once again, the relevant part of disqualification here, right, which is, you know, um, one way to sort of one way to try to overturn the result of an impeachment is to reinstall the officer. Right. So if Congress were, let's say, to have impeached and removed Secretary Pompeo, and Trump reappointed him because he, quote, pardoned him, unquote, right? The thing that would stick would be if the Senate had, in fact, voted to disqualify him. Ah, makes sense. And uh, finally, uh, we've just learned uh, over the weekend that Trump allies like John Dowd are selling access to rich felons lobbying for pardons. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there saying this is a crime, this is illegal. Is that illegal to to do that sort of? It seems like a backdoor uh, bribe, but I don't I don't understand kind of the legality of that. I think some of it depends on what Trump does. I mean, so you know, if I walk up to you on the street and say, "Hey, I I, I have access to Trump. If you give me a thousand dollars, I'll try to hook you up with the pardon." Um, I might be breaking the law, but Trump isn't, 
Uh, right. Whereas if this is all going on with, you know, the president's knowledge and perhaps even his support, um, dare I say, if any of these actually lead to a pardon, um, yeah, then we probably got some federal crimes. But, you know, I think it's just it's yet further indication of, you know, just how low we've sunk, that this is where we are. Um, and I have to say, I mean, there's, you know, there are news stories out there that the president's planning somewhere north of 100 pardons tomorrow, his last full day in office. I mean, for all of the, you know, the Republican sort of bold talk about how we don't think we can continue to proceed once he's out of office, I wonder if their tune will change if some of those pardons actually are of the folks who have been arrested and charged with some of the offenses arising out of January 6th. Yeah, that would definitely put a, a crimp in the investigations and arrests uh, that the FBI and the Department of Justice are making. I, I think it could probably be seen as obstruction of justice. I don't know that it would necessarily make the pardons revocable. No. Yeah, I, 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 the issue wouldn't be the pardon. So the, so the president might be able to pardon the underlying crime, but then the crime of, you know, bribery to um, to arrange the pardon or obstruction to obtain the pardon or obstruction to give the pardon. Those are separate. Yeah, I, I liken this to, you know, the president has the power to fire anybody he wants, uh, not anybody he wants, but, you know, certain officers. Uh, but he can't do it corruptly without being possibly charged with obstruction of justice if they, they meet the other two requirements of obstruction of justice, meaning it it can, it is it can be corrupt. But again, I think it falls on him uh, as the crime and the criminal and not on the person he pardoned. I think that's right, unless they played some direct role in facilitating the unlawful nonsense. But I mean, I just I just want to drive it home. I mean, this is why to me it is so um, galling, right, that Republicans are trying to hide behind the whole we can't continue after January 20th thing because they know that if they actually had to you know, weigh this case on the merits, there'd only be one conclusion. Yep. And, and again, their names would be tied to him with a cord of steel and for all of history, as Adam Schiff put it. So uh, I appreciate you answering these questions for me today. Uh, everybody check out the National Security Law Podcast. Steve Vladek, I appreciate your time. Anytime. Hope, hope, hope this is almost over. <laughs> it's so close, but seems so far. Yep. Uh, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Daily Beans. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Caliper CBD. Life is very stressful these days. We all need to practice self-care, but taking care of yourself shouldn't add to your stress. It shouldn't cause anxiety to add to your self-care routine. And the great thing about CBD is that it helps you feel better and you don't have to make drastic changes to your routine. It's really easy. If you haven't tried CBD, I recommend it. CBD helps me feel less anxious and it make, I, I feel more calm. It's helped me sleep easier and it helps me feel less sore after workouts. And my favorite thing about Caliper CBD specifically is they've introduced a better way to consume CBD in an easy-to-use powder. Unlike oils, Caliper CBD powder is tasteless, totally. It mixes easily in any food or drink. It's got precisely 20 milligrams in each packet, so you never question how much CBD you're taking. I put some in my morning coffee or my, pro my post-workout protein shake. But it's clinically proven also that you absorb 450% more CBD with Caliper CBD powder compared to tinctures. And Caliper gives you all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes. That's about twice as fast as CBD oil. So you get that super fast acting. And Caliper is totally THC-free, so you get all the benefits without the intoxicating, mind-altering effects. And Caliper is made with all natural, non-GMO ingredients. No fillers or added chemicals or artificial flavors. So take care of yourself, but make it easier on yourself with Caliper CBD. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days, and if you don't love it, they will give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news is on the way. 
Oh, my God, the dog in the first one. I looked ahead. Let me have it. I looked ahead. Let me have it. All right, it. you want the first one? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Because I want to kiss the dog on his snout. This is from Emily, pronouns she and her. Happy Monday, ladies, and more importantly, happy inauguration week. Woo-hoo! Love the show and the amazing amount of work you put into the show. Just wanted to send a quick pod pet shout out to our sweet baby boy, Rango. All dogs are special, but only one has my heart like Rango. The sweet boy is 10 years old today, and every day he's been on this earth, he's brought an immeasurable amount of happiness to the lives of everyone he's met. A.G., look at Rango's face. I want to kiss his snout. He's got the little gray, white furs, gray fur in his little face. 10 years old. It's such a beautiful picture. And I'm sure I would put money that this was taken with the portrait mode of an iPhone. Yeah. And it is just gorgeous. This dog, Rango, that I want to, I want to, I want to snuggle Rango. He looks so great. His little mouth, doggy face. Oh, it's just so cute. Okay. I love pities. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for this. I, Emily, I've never, I haven't gushed over a dog like this in a while. All of our dogs are special. This, you're right. Rango is top notch. You can see it. You can see it. Next up from Derek, a.k.a. Pample Muse. Ah, yes. A.k.a. whatever I think will make Thomas and Andrew laugh when they read uh, opening arguments, patron names. Pronouns he and him. This is somebody who um, comes onto our live chats on the stereo app with me and Andrew and is a fan of OA. He says, hello, Team Beans. It's totally minor. But it trips me up when I hear it. The highly respected London-based news agency is pronounced Reuters, not Reuters. Uh, <laughs> well, mostly, this is just an excuse to send you a cute photo I caught of my flu-for-butt archer that I also sent you via Twitter. He's a fluffy corgi, and he's very sweet when he's not being a fox-eared asshole. But we wouldn't have it any other way. Keep up the great work. I hope you're feeling better and looking forward to the toddler in aisle 45 being dragged out of the store so we can start cleaning up the place. Now, I need to tell you why AG started laughing in the middle of that story, so I will make a <laughs> confession. With an edit you didn't hear, I called it Reuters, and AG went, no, 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 no. <laughs> because I said it wrong, so I just think it's really funny, and I may have known that that was happening, which is why I took the first story and gave AG the second story. Um, so thank you so much for the correction, and I will never let it happen again. But that's my confession. All right, moving on. This are- <laughs> Anonymous pronouns she and her. This isn't good news, a confession, or a correction, but a request for your next book club. I found your coverage of books really helpful slash useful in digesting them and making the books more available and tangible. With the recent events, I've noticed an uptick in the suffering of people with family who lean towards the Fox universe and wondered what I could do to help provide help to those folks. A book that helped me think about this issue recently is Authoritarian Nightmare by John Dean and Bob Altemeyer. It's kind of a rough read, but I trust that you could lighten it up for us all. The second half of the book concentrates on what can be done for people caught up in the suffering from authoritarian mind people, minded people, uh, in parentheses, in the family and otherwise. We face a future with these millions of Americans that have been so impacted by our authoritarian-in-chief, Fox News, Republicans, etc., and are suffering because of it. As a Christian nation, we probably should do something to help them. Note, I'm actually Buddhist, <laughs> with a smiley face. I'm thinking that a discussion of the topic would be a benefit to all, and that you would be a great person to host it. I've been a fan of the pod since the Mueller days, and saw you folks in San Francisco with Stephanie Miller. Much fun. I've attached a photo of my canine companion in hero pose. Usually, he's a bit more goofy, but that is definitely a hero pose. Oh, what an adorable puppers. Beautiful dog. 
Beautiful, beautiful. And thank you. I will take this uh, authoritarian, authoritarian nightmare book, John Dean um, and Bob Altemeyer, into consideration. As you know, I'm still trying to finish the fucking Andrew Weissman book, Where the Law Ends, <laughs> inside the Mueller investigation, because of I've just been so slammed, and then I was sick, and then I just haven't caught up. And uh, I do. I my confession is I I haven't been putting out those those book club episodes for patrons the last couple of weeks, and I do apologize. I will get back to it. I swear, but I'm tr- trying to take my own advice and taking a couple of things off my plate for a minute. So I know y'all will forgive me. So. I appreciate that. But yes, look at this puppers. Oh. Next up from Lana Vandana, pronouns she and her. Good news. Happy news. Today is my 41st sobriety birthday. Happy birthday. Yes. Happy 41st. That's amazing. And Lana, Lana Bandana says this past year has been difficult. <laughs> I'm thankful. The tears, the laughs, the swears, and the righteous rage. I stumbled upon Muller, she wrote, during the Kavanaugh fiasco, and wow, did my life change. Bullet points of my life that contain a few trigger warnings. One, Lily White privileged Midwest Republican parents. Number two, raped at 15 years old. Similar story to Dr. Ford. Three, raging alcoholic by 16. Four, dropped out of high school with a .05 GPA. Number five, sobered up at 17 years old. Number six, married wonderful Union Democrat at 20 years old with three kids, ex-wife, and massive ex-wife debt. Number seven, graduated college 4.0. Number eight, born and raised two amazing kids, two more amazing kids. Number nine, successful healthcare career for 40 plus years, sort of retired. Number 10, still married to my kind, wonderful hubby. And then she goes on, through your kind support, experts, and interviews, I have processed my rape and can finally move on from it. Also, thank you. Uh, thanks to you all. I am now a newbie activist doing whatever I can. I have made about 1,750 Lana Bandanas Masks of Love. I have donated tons of money to various election races. Wonderful hubby would be surprised but supportive. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we are still self-quarantining with my MAGA mom oh, or MAGA. I don't Do you say MAGA? MAGA. Going on 325 plus days and still COVID-19 free. So... Fuck the orange grub and his enablers. Love and hope and thank you again. Stay well and safe. Lana Bandana, that's incredible. Thank you so much. Yes. And thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your story. It's awesome. And congratulations on the sobriety 41st and happy birthday. birthday. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Um, this next one comes from one of the many Sarahs, pronouns she and her. <laughs> A-G-D-G-A-C, you guys are such a fucking powerhouse team. I don't know how you do it, but every time I think you've got the coolest crew ever, just keeps getting cooler. Gonna need A-G to do some hiring for my office, okay? Thanks. Here's my good news. <laughs> my baby <laughs> sis finally broke free from her abusive husband after 10 years of marriage. If I got nothing else out of 2020, that would be enough. She and her four littles are shacking up with my best friend, and they have nine people, six kids, living in a two-bedroom home right now, so things are cramped. She's looking for paid work. She has been working in the home, raising and schooling her children until now. So you can uh, then look for separate... So then she can look for separate housing, but... They're finally safe, and I have stopped having nightmares and anxiety attacks about it. It's going to be contested divorce, and lawyer fees are already adding up. We're giving everything we can as her family, but that shit is expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, There will be a link to a GoFundMe in the newsletter. That is notes from our team here uh, at the Daily Beans. 
So there will be a link in, yes, to the GoFundMe in the newsletter. It's interesting. um, It's interesting, funny to me to feel so connected and supported by a community of strangers that I don't actually really know. Happy to be a member of the Leguminati. You people are the best. As pet tax, I submit Jack, the chonky 16-pound orange tabby, giving me side eye as I try to reclaim my spot on my, I guess I mean his brand new chair. (laughs) He's actually a super affectionate boy, B-O-I, and did allow me the far edge. And Hesher, oh, my nice. beautiful eight-year-old mutt baby, champion of the mountains and fastest <gasps> ski dog in the Pacific Northwest. Look at him and his ears and his face with the snow. And his, his snow nose. nose. His snow snout. Oh, uh, and yep, there's that. That is that is a chair for humans? That's a big-ass cat. That <laughs> yeah, is a big-ass cat. I'm all, look at that chair just made just for cats. No. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> no 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 (laughs) that's a big ass chonker what a honey what a honey um yeah we will put that link in the newsletter thank you oh and by the way update on our last person anonymous who was leaving that emotionally abusive uh relationship um we have raised forty three hundred dollars out of the five thousand to get her up and out of there for her and her cat so we're very close and amazing and all of you yeah you're just incredible Ma- major hugs to you so thank you so much and um uh, yeah that lawyer shit is expensive i know uh and even if your uh ex uh has been c- committed multiple felonies and admitted to them under oath and has a permanent restraining order against them uh for domestic violence it can still be very time consuming and expensive to go through the divorce um so i i'm i feel you next up from dg aka mother trucker she her this isn't you right dg it is not me dg says i saw a dog today my partner and i he him are over the road are over the road truckers i drive at night because i see great at night and i have fewer runs uh, run-ins with four-wheelers regular car folks <laughs> are four-wheelers. So I don't see many people other than the workers at the truck stops. Imagine my surprise when I go to the ladies' room and I see a dog. Of course, I say, I say loudly, oh my God, puppy. And I hear the tail thump. <laughs> and then I say, oh shit, sorry, working dog. She laughed and they left before I finished. So yeah, I saw a dog. And I took a sneaky bathroom photo of said working dog, also attaching a pic of our old sassy broad, Sadie. She's 13. And... I also happy cry, DG. Great hearts think alike. I'm a happy crier. I am too. I am as well. I am. I am as well. I watch like America's Got Talent and there's like someone singing, you know, (laughs) some 13 year old that just like gets the golden ticket and I'm like, so good. Yeah, I do it too. (gasps) Look at the other baby. So the dog feed under the stall in the truck stop is hilarious. It reminds me of Larry Craig, that one senator who had a wide stance. Oh, and look at the dog. Especially because you can see a tiny bit of jeans, just a tiny bit of a jean pant in there. Yep, I see jeans. Oh, and the other one, Broad Sadie. And I love when you say, oh my God, puppy, you hear the tail hit the floor. That's so cute. That's so funny. Oh, this dog. So cute. Those are the shortest legs I think I've ever seen. I mean, you have never seen a corgi then. Although this might actually be a Shih Tzu Corgi mix. Could you imagine how cute that would be? I mean, I know it's not, but... <laughs> a shit Corg? A yeah. shit, yeah. Oh, man. Sassy old broad Sadie. I love her. Yeah, a little shorty. So cute. 
So, so cute. Oh, thank you for your submissions. If you have anything to submit, please do it. Please send it all. Send it all. All the photos, anything. I take landscapes now. Whatever you got, send it in. And you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I'm very excited to to receive your good news, confessions, corrections, whatever it is. Um, please send them in. We love hearing from you. And uh, anything else before we get out of here, Dana? Yeah, one day. One day, 24 hours. On this last full day? The last full day of the Trump-Pence presidency. This fucking nightmare is coming to an end. Yes, and everybody pat yourselves on the back because you had a hand in that. You all had a big hand in that. So, and somebody tweeted today, next time there's a State of the Union, for the first time in U.S. history, it's going to be two women sitting behind him. And I, I, that's, I got some happy tears when I thought about that. And um, it's going to be nice to finally, <laughs> to finally be bored by politics again. You know? <laughs> I know. And if all goes well, like a shitload of indictments are coming down the next day. Oh. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I'm just so excited. Yeah. Some, somebody else tweeted. You remember when Trump said when the looting starts, the shooting starts? Somebody tweeted, when the incitement starts, the indictments start. Nice. <laughs> was a good one. It's a nice, nice throwback. Good callback. Sure is. Put the dipsy doodle on that. All right, everybody. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. My birthday. Inauguration day. I can't wait. Everybody, until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They May Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder and Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>